Good morning. Uh, for those who don't know me or maybe uh, new to Raymond Christian Center, uh, I'm Rob Frank. I was going to start this morning with a coronavirus joke, but I was afraid we'd have to wait two weeks to see whether you got it. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of tough telling jokes in, a, in an empty room. Uh, I think I'm going to need to ask Stuart to add a laugh track or something. Um, in fact, when I told a friend of mine that we were going to do our service this morning uh, this way, he asked me if I was training to be a televangelist. Well, I'd, I'd just like to ensure or assure our televangelist community that uh, I'm not after their jobs and their jobs are safe. I'd like to begin this morning by uh, talking about a miracle. Eight years ago, a miracle happened in my family's life, and because of that miracle, last night, we moved my wife, Abby, into protective quarantine. Now, we've all heard the term a miracle shot, and most often we associate this with basketball, with that three-point shot from beyond the arc with time running out and down by two points. Sometimes we think about a miracle shot, which is the chip into the hole from 30 yards out that saves the eagle and wins the golf game. For some of our military folks, they might think of a mile-long shot by an Overwatch sniper that saves a squad of soldiers and Marines from ambush. But seven years ago, my family experienced a miracle shot of another kind. Abby's mother, Wanda, who we're blessed to have living with us now, uh, was visiting us. At the time, she lived in Seven Mile Falls, Washington, which is a rural community outside of Spokane. Our daughter, Maya, was two years old, and as with most two-year-olds, she just couldn't sit still. She had a habit of wiggling and squirming and generally being unruly every time someone tried to pick her up. But no grandmother can resist picking up her granddaughter, and Wanda was no different. Now, for those who don't know Wanda, Wanda is a petite person. She's small, like Abby is. As Wanda picked up Maya, Maya wiggled and moved and generally made life difficult. And the weight and the motion of a two-year-old child were just too much. Something gave way in Wanda's right shoulder. Now, at the time, Abby was a resident physician, and she did all the typical doctor things. She tried anti-inflammatories and ice and heat and immobilization, and, and Wanda got better for a while. But when she returned home, her shoulder continued to hurt. After a time, Wanda went to her local uh, family practice clinic in rural uh, Washington, and the doctors did what they normally do when they're confronted with an orthopedic injury. They sent her down the hall to get some x-rays. Now, I don't know this for certain, but I imagine in my mind as I play out the scene, Wanda walking down the hall and being met by a young x-ray technician. And I imagine that this x-ray technician was new at her job and still learning how to get it right. And I imagine Wanda going in there and trying to hold still for the x-rays and the x-ray technician taking the pictures. But in this case, the x-ray technician missed. She missed. 
She missed the part of the shoulder that was most likely injured. In fact, she didn't get much of the shoulder joint at all. Instead, she got a miracle shot. A day after the x-rays were taken, Wanda received an urgent call from her doctor saying, you need to get down here now, we need to discuss your x-rays. They didn't give her any other information. And as Wanda drove the short distance to the clinic, she was playing over in her mind visions of an uncomfortable shoulder surgery. She was wondering how she and her husband Harold would continue to run their equipment rental and repair business uh, if she had a bad shoulder and couldn't use both hands. But it turns out Wanda's shoulder was the least of her worries. When Wanda got there, she was told that the x-ray technician had missed, that the technician only got part of the shoulder joint. What the x-ray technician really got was Wanda's right lung. The radiologist reading the x-ray, as all good doctors do, he wasn't looking for a shoulder injury, he was just reading the image. And what he read was lung cancer. Lung cancer, two of the worst words you can ever hear. Now at the time, Wanda was absolutely asymptomatic. There was no reason to believe she had lung cancer or any other significant illness. And you know, that's the dirty little secret about lung cancer. Most times, you don't typically have symptoms until it's too late to do anything to save your life. Had Wanda been diagnosed after she began to show symptoms, it's quite likely she would not have survived. But in this case, a young x-ray technician made a miracle shot. She shot the lung, she caught the cancer, and she saved the life of Wanda Knox. Now surviving cancer isn't easy. There's nothing simple or easy or pleasant about cancer treatment. Now Wanda's treatment thankfully was far less involved than what many have to go through. But Wanda's treatment included removing the top third of her right lung and two ribs. It saved Wanda's life, but at the cost of a good part of her lung. Now thank God Wanda remains cancer free today and we're blessed to have her living with us and frankly I don't really know how we'd survive without her. I mean she's so important in our life. But it left Wanda with a compromised system. Wanda's in great shape. She is an active, vibrant person. She practices Pilates and is vice president of her garden club. On the outside, on the outside she's a picture of health. In fact, when I asked her for her permission to share her story, she was reluctant because she didn't want people to make a big deal about it or to feel sorry for her. You see, she knew that there were many people that have it way worse than she did. But the removal of a good portion of her lung left Wanda with a compromised cardiopulmonary system. Even though she's in great shape, she loses her breath easily and sometimes has to fight just to catch breath. She's the type of person who faces the most danger from the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. While some of us would survive the virus with little long-term effect, and frankly most of us will, the real possibility for Wanda is that catching the COVID-19 virus could be deadly. The miracle shot which saved her life has left her vulnerable to this plague. 
When we consider the drastic changes in our society that have occurred just in the past few weeks, we need to consider that the reason for them is to protect the most vulnerable among us. It's not so much that any one of us might be infected. It's so we do not spread the infection to those of us who have bodies least able to defeat it. It's for Wanda and for people like her that we have dispersed our church family, and I'm telling jokes to five people in a room instead of 300. It's for the most vulnerable among us that restaurants are closed and travel is restricted. And many parents are getting a first taste of what it means to homeschool a child. And you've probably seen this meme on social media. It was sent to, to me and, and my family by uh, a colleague of Abby's and a, and a friend of ours who has two young sons. They're uh, seven-year-old twins. And he sent us the post that said uh, they had started homeschooling their two twins. And after the first day of school, the two students were expelled for fighting, and the teacher was fired for drinking. So that's what folks are facing for the first time. But you know, Wanda has an added risk factor. She lives with her daughter, Abby, my wife, and Abby is a doctor. Sometimes we forget the risks that the nurses and the therapists and the doctors and their families face. I think of Sam and Peugeot, uh, both treating patients uh, with two boys at home and, and one on the way. Each day, Abby and Sam and Peugeot and Rodney Fisher and the men and women they work with come into contact with people who carry diseases. And most of the time, normal precautions and good hygiene are enough to protect from the risk. But COVID-19 is different. It's so virulent, it's so easy to spread that even doctors dressed out in the full hazmat gear risk exposure and infection. COVID-19 is a stealth enemy. Once exposed, a person might not know for a week that they have it or are spreading it. It can linger on surfaces. Uh, it can linger on the clothes that a healthcare provider wears. It can linger on their shoes. It can even linger in their hair and can be a source of transmission. For physicians and nurses and other healthcare providers, there's a risk not only to themselves, but to their families. Every day a healthcare provider comes home, they risk infecting their family. Now, Abby and her peers were given the option to not treat patients during the virus. Doctors and nurses and essential support staff where Abby works have been given the choice to not expose themselves to the sick. But most, and maybe even all of the people she worked with, have chosen to serve. These men and women have chosen to stand in the breach and to fight for the lives of their patients at great personal risk, but also at risk to their families. The choice to treat patients in this environment knowing this risk was particularly tough for Abby. Because if Abby's exposed to the virus, while she might survive, it could affect Wanda. It could place at risk the people she loves. It places at risk the person who lived because of the miracle shot. 
Now, Abby and people like her have chosen to set aside their everyday lives during this crisis and to serve. So yesterday, we set Abby up in protective quarantine. She'll be segregated from her family physically with no person-to-person contact until the worst of this crisis is over. She has an air mattress and a mini fridge and a separate HVAC system so she can't spread the virus. And she has a window that she can look through into the house and see all of us. But until this pandemic is over, she won't hug her daughter or pet the dog or share a meal or do any of the things of normal everyday life. All because she chose to set aside her life and serve. And she's not alone. She and many like her have chose to protect the least among us. And for Abby, it's in part because she wanted to give the miracle shot that saved her mother more time. In chapter 15 of the Gospel of John, Jesus is teaching his disciples about the perfection of love and of joy. In verses 12 and 13, Jesus teaches them, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Now, when we hear this taught, it's most often taught and discussed in the context of dying for the folks you love. The way that Jesus died for us. And this is true and this is good. Love does sometimes mean being willing to face death. You know, 18 young, like under, under 40, Chinese physicians died treating the sick during the initial outbreak. And while there are no statistics readily available, we know that physicians all over the world are becoming infected, sometimes fatally. These men and women are loving complete strangers at risk of their own lives. They're loving the way Jesus taught us to love. But there's another broader context to this scripture, to what Jesus was saying. Laying down one's life can also mean setting aside one's normal life in service to others. It can mean setting aside or laying down our goals and our hopes and our habits and our routines to serve people. You see this in every parent that gives up college to raise a kid. You see this in every kid who gives up their job to care for an elderly parent. And now, you see it in the lives of doctors and nurses and therapists and staff members that are willing to set aside their lives and their routines and their families, even setting aside person-to-person contact, to go into isolation and to serve those who need help. They're doing as God has commanded and purposed. And you know, each of us can do this. Sacrificial love was a recurring theme in Jesus' ministry. Jesus again discusses laying down one's life in Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. Taking up our cross to follow Jesus means simply commitment to the point of giving up our hopes, dreams, possessions, our routines, our everyday lives, and our very life if need be. This is the attitude, the only acceptable attitude of a disciple. And in this crisis, each of us has a role. Each of us can make a difference by laying down our lives and picking up the burdens required to protect those among us who are vulnerable. 
We, day, we lay down our lives when we engage in social distancing, when we stay home to, present the to prevent the virus from reaching us, when we isolate ourselves from members of our family and community because we love them, not because we're afraid, because we want to protect them, not because we are fearful. We take up our cross when we set aside our jobs and our businesses and trust that God will meet our needs. We take up our cross when we give up dinners out and movies and sports tournaments and that big trip planned for spring break. When we lay down our lives and we forego the fellowship of live corporate worship and do it online. And we set aside our lives when we tithe and we give even in a time of crisis so the church can continue to serve folks. We, we lay down our lives when we take the time to check on an elderly neighbor, when we share our stock of toilet paper, when we reach out to people to let them know that they're not alone. You know, I was listening to the radio the other day and the great Gil Brandt, he's an NFL Hall of Famer and anybody who's a football fan pretty much knows him. He's in his 80s. I heard him speaking and calling us to serve. And he made a request. Call three people a day. There's three people. Call those people. Reach out to them. Let them know that they matter. Let them know that they're not alone. Let them know it's going to be okay. God has everything under control. You know, love is a viral phenomenon. It's more powerful than any disease. And the spread of the love of Jesus is an unstoppable virus, far greater than anything, anything COVID-19 could ever throw at us. In this time, we're called to live out the scripture. We're called to lay down our lives, the ones we had pre-virus, to pick up the cross of protecting and caring for the sick and the vulnerable, to follow Jesus in showing sacrificial love. You know, it occurred to me the other day as I was studying my Bible that Jesus at one point instructed his apostles to shelter in place, to kind of engage in some social distancing. In Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 4, Jesus instructs his apostles to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Just as Jesus instructed his apostles to stay put and wait on the promises of God, we are likewise instructed. We are called by Jesus to lay down our lives, to love, to stay put, and to wait on the promises of God. And God keeps his promises. You know, times will be tough for a while, but you can count on God's promises. In Romans 8.28, God promised that all things will work out for the good of his children. This is the broader picture that keeps us from being dismayed in the present circumstances. If we act like the disciples, if we stay in place and we rely on the promises of God, we can rest in the knowledge that he will work this pandemic for his purpose. And that if we love well, we will come through stronger and more blessed than ever. In conclusion, stay safe, stay well, stay home, and love each other. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. I am excited to tell you God has purpose in everything that happens. 
Think about this for a moment. Much of everything that the Heavenly Father does begins with a seed. Sometimes God gives a word. He spoke the world into existence. Sometimes He gives a promise. Sometimes He uses a person, or sometimes He gets in the middle of an event. We are definitely in an event right now that is happening on planet Earth, the, an event of uncertainty that is absolutely amazing. Our entire world has been impacted like it never has in my lifetime or any other time particularly that I am aware of. Every part of the rat, way, rat race that we call life has come to a halt and in the middle of this time, this season of us being separated and being quarantined, I believe God wants to speak to us. Rob did an outstanding job of talking and giving a great illustration about what is happening and what has happened in their lives and how God has set this time aside to do certain things. Well, the verse of Scripture that he used is one that I'm going to use in Romans 8 where he said, all things work together for good. That verse literally says God will get in the middle of anything and everything to bring about His purpose. God, right this moment, He knows where you are. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you're dealing with. I know He loves you and that He cares about what's happening in your life. And you must know how deeply He is concerned about where you are at this very moment. I want to make it clear that God didn't bring this. God didn't cause this virus to happen. But He's not surprised by this virus either. This virus is something that affects different people in different ways. And it can be deadly for some. Some can get right through it. And we have to understand that. In the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter and the 30th verse, Jesus said, and I'm going to read to you from the Amplified. Here's what He said. I will not talk with you much more for the prince, evil genius, the prince, the evil genius, the ruler of the world is coming and he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him. And he has no power over me. Years ago, John Lake was in a dilemma much as we have. And the virus that was going rampant in that day would die when it touched his skin. God has the ability to keep us safe, to protect us, and to care for us in everything. When the enemy came to attack Jesus, Jesus said, He has no place in me. Listen to me. We are definitely in an event of uncertainty. And Jesus, listen to me when I say this, was not infected with what the world or the prince of the world was doing. We have an enemy called the devil. And he wants to infect each one of us affect and infect each one of us with things that can take and destroy our life. Right now we're dealing with a virus. We don't want to get infected by this virus. That's why we're quarantined. That's why we're being separated. It's more deadly to some than it is to others. We've been instructed that we need to stop its spread. And I believe that with all my heart. Rob and Abby spent some time diligently talking to me about what we needed to do as a church. 
two doctors that are friends of mine called me specifically saying, Pastor, you need to understand. My nephew Colton, who's a doctor, called and said, Look, Uncle Stu, you need to understand how this thing can affect it. And at your age and your health conditions, it could impact you. We've got to stop the spread of this disease. This thing is highly contagious. I could go on and on, but we've heard every channel. They're talking about what can happen, and every day we're getting plenty of updates. It's not hard to see the enemy at work today and see what he's doing. He's invisible to the naked eye. You can't see this virus. We aren't aware of where he is. He's, he lives on surfaces. He lives, as Rob said, in the air. He, he, he's transmitted through many various ways. He can affect or infect, I should say, you, and you may not have any symptoms immediately. So I'm saying, God, in this season that we're in with what's going on, with what's happened in the natural, give me eyes to see. In 2 Kings chapter 6, they, 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 the, the Lord, the prophet asked the Lord to open the eyes of Gehazi, his servant, so that he could see what was around him. And I'm saying, God, open up the spiritual eyes of your people to see what's going on and what you're wanting to say to us in this world. Let me start that part by saying this. What's a virus? A virus, listen to this definition, is a small infectious agent that replicates only inside the living cells of an organism. Viruses can infect all types of life forms. Viruses are found in almost every ecosystem on earth. Our world has been affected and infected, should I say, with a lot of germs that are invisible that are still contagious. A germ is a tiny life form that spreads disease. Let me ask you this. What would happen if we would take the approach that we don't want to become infected with certain diseases that are rampant in our world today? Right now we're dealing and battling one particular thing. We're dealing with one particular virus, one particular uh, uh, seemingly silent killer. It's a killer to some. But let me ask you this. How many of us spiritually walking with the Lord, living with our brothers and sisters in Christ, have been infected with certain things or get infected and then cause infection in others because of certain attitudes? Do you know that there are attitudes that are contagious? Do you know that when you get a bad attitude or a germy attitude in your life that you can get around certain people and it may not seem to show any immediate results. It may not immediately affect somebody around you, but there may be somebody that's more vulnerable to that attitude than somebody else. There may be somebody who is more susceptible to that germ than somebody else. I think it's admirable that we're willing to lay our life down. And that's what Rob's talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's the whole message of the gospel, that we lay down our lives one for another. Greater love has no one than, than he'll lay down his life for a friend. It's the greatest message of the kingdom that we have. It's the message that God is getting across to us. But what would happen if we'd take the approach as Christians 
that we don't want to be infected by sin in our own lives, by bitterness, by judgmentalism, by strife, by malice, by hatred. I know a lot of Christians right now are full of hate. I know a lot of Christians who hate certain people in our world just because they're alive and God's doing things for them. Did you know that hatred is contagious? Did you know that hatred is infectious? Did you know that bitterness is infectious and contagious? That greed can be infectious and contagious. Judgmentalism can be those things. We've had things out of control in this world for a long time. We've been infected by things that so many of us, we don't immediately see how it has impacted us, but it's impacted the church world greatly. I could go on and on about the problems, but I don't want to talk just about the problems. I want you to know that the church, the Word of God, the living faith that we have in Jesus Christ has answers for every problem that we have. We need to keep ourselves free from all of the spiritual germs and the spiritual diseases that would infect this world so that we don't infect other people with things that shouldn't be in our lives. I've had times when I've had to ask the Lord to cleanse me from a wrong attitude, to set me free, Lord, from desiring and wanting things that don't need to be a part of my life. Lord, would you purify my heart and purify my motives? Would you allow me, Lord, to be a vessel that just is, is free from the power of sin, sickness, and disease? We need to keep ourselves free from this virus called sin, this germ called sin, so that we don't infect others with the same thing. You know, sin is a disease. It is contagious. It is infectious. But I got a news, good news for you. Jesus has conquered sin, sickness, and disease. He has overcome death, hell, and the grave. You see, I can look at you today and I can say, even if death comes nigh me, it can't defeat me because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When I open up my heart and my life to Jesus Christ, eternal life, everlasting life becomes a part of my life and I begin to share in a new life with Jesus. Some of us here are more susceptible to certain things than others. But our world is full of people who are susceptible to things that will cause them their life. We're being encouraged to wash our hands often and to wash them for 20 seconds. I'm trying to decide whether I wait for the water to get warm or not get warm. I'm trying to decide whether or not how long is 20 seconds. And they said, won't you start singing songs? Won't you start praying for people? Well, you know, I could pray for somebody washing my hands for 15 minutes because there's plenty of people to pray for. But here's what I know. I think we should also, in this season, as separation and being quarantined, pray for others, but we should also wash our hearts every day with the Word of God. 
I don't want my heart to become bitter. I don't want my heart to be full of hatred. I don't want my heart to be full of something that doesn't need to be there. I can look back over my life and I can tell you certain instances in my life where I have allowed anger or hatred to rise up to a place that I realize it's affecting and infecting me in a way that is not godly, that is in a way that's not uplifting, in a way that's not overcoming. And I've had to come to the Lord and I had to say, Lord, cleanse my heart, cleanse my lips, cleanse me from all of the things, Lord, that would cause me to be infected, but all of the things also that might cause me to infect others, not even know I did it. You see, sometimes we infect other people and the symptoms don't immediately show, but down the road somewhere, when they go through a difficult time, all of a sudden the infection begins to manifest. The Word of God cleanses us from sin, sickness, and disease. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done unto you. Today, I definitely want to encourage you. I want to say to you with all that is within me, I want you to know that your heart needs to be clean from anything that may infect anybody else with something that doesn't need to be there. I believe the Lord's trying to say loud and clear to every one of us that this is a season where we are separated just to fill ourselves with God's Word. My family was together last night and it was a great time to be with my family. This season that you're in, where you're alone, where you're at home, where you're with your family, or maybe as Rob talks about, Abby comes to a portion of the house and she's not being able to do that. She's willing to lay her life down. And we should be willing to do whatever we need to do in this difficult season to reach out and touch somebody. Church family, I want to encourage you right now that you think of somebody, if somebody comes to your mind, you know, a lot of times we say, I don't know if the Lord's talking to me to, or, or not talking to me. If the Lord brings somebody to your mind that may need something, that may need an encouraging word, you need to pick up the phone and call them. You need to send them a text on their phone if you do that and encourage them with the Word of God. Yesterday afternoon, the church, we had some people calling some people and somebody gave me a call, wanted to know how I was doing, and I could see that they were, you know, here we are checking on you, Pastor. Well, I, don't, I just want you to know at that particular moment, that call meant everything to me. And I hung up from the phone when we were finished with the call and I said, Lord, I thank you that people do care for other people. During this season, I'm asking you to send your love and your care to somebody who's out there. I can't imagine sitting home all day and watching TV because I'm telling you after you've watched it five minutes, ten minutes, you've seen about everything there is to see unless you go back to some of the old reruns. But I want you to know God knows where you are and He cares about where you are and He loves you and He wants you free from any virus, from any infection. Open up your heart to Him now and let's wash our hearts with Him right this moment. Father, I thank you for the privilege that we have to worship you and honor you in this house. I'm asking you, Lord, during this season, may we purify ourselves, free ourselves from sin, sickness, and disease, and may we receive you as our Savior, our Healer, our Deliverer, and our Friend in a time of need. 
Thank you, Lord, for touching our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.